0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oakbrook. My name is Sue Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and I have the pleasure of being the host of this podcast. As many of you know, we have spent the last several months traveling through the book of James, and we are going to keep right on trucking with that conversation today. But first, as always, I just want to say thanks for continuing to reach out, for sharing Deeper Still with your friends and your neighbors, and for letting us know the difference it is making in your lives. Please do not stop doing this. We do not take it for granted. Keep inviting others to join the conversation. Uh, As many of you know, you can listen on your favorite podcast platform or the Christchurch website. And it's still not too late to join a Zoom discussion group where you can find uh, online at christchurch.us forward slash women. And of course, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ChristChurchWomen. Still trying to get more of you to follow us over there on Instagram. So come on over, help me out, Uh, comment, and let me know you're there. And uh, we can do a little life together over there as well. So today I am excited to have back in the studio with me my friend and ministry leader, Lisa Garvin. Lisa is a longtime member of Christ Church, a just strong and encouraging leader in our women's ministry, and one of our deeper still discussion group leaders. Uh, By the way, shout out to Lisa's group. I know you guys are listening. You guys are awesome. I miss seeing you all, so thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, We have so much ground to cover today, so we're just going to jump right in and get started as we dive into James chapter 5, verses 1 through 17, just a big chunk of incredibly challenging text today. So saddle up, settle in, open your Bibles to James chapter 5 if you can, and listen in as Lisa and I go deeper still. Well, Lisa, welcome back to Deeper Still uh, 2021. Now it is, my friend. How are you doing today? I am good. I'm good. The sun
1: is out. The hint of spring is in the air. I think a couple of weeks ago when uh, Chris Stevenson, our our dear friend, was here, we had just received a big snowstorm. So I'm happy to say when I'm in the studio, it is sunny and, and uh, the promises of, of springtime are shining. So I'm good.
0: What do they say about Chicago? They say there's that like meme that goes around that's like, it's- Wait 30 uh, minutes, yeah. the weather will change. <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. right? All these different winters we go through. Yeah. And, but we're going to claim here right now, no more snow, no. only sun, only snow. Spring. Only hope we are feeling it. So, uh, it's so good to have you back today. You know, I was with, um, I was out in Arizona visiting uh, my daughter Sadie not long ago, and we just forget sometimes that the sun and the warmth and the weather and how much that just changes our souls. Sometimes
1: (laughs) it really does. We were um, blessed to be um, in the sun, as I said, uh, just recently on a trip. Even when it was a snowstorm here. In fact, I got my flight canceled and had to unfortunately. I put that in air quotes, <laughs> stay one day longer in the sunshine. And I just said it's so life-giving. It's, it's amazing how us Midwesterners, um, you know, after a few days of, of clouds, to have that sun back on our face. Then I said there's a sermon title in that because you can change the S-U-N to the S-O-N um, when you talk about how life-giving it is. It's a real physical manifestation when it's, yeah. it's, you're outside and, and it, yeah. it does change your my mind thinking for sure. Yeah,
0: I love that S U N to S O N. That's mm-hmm. that's so perfect for what a great segue to how just we give go me from credit when you when you preach on that. Sometimes <laughs> I love it. I got it. Uh, well, Lisa, like I said, we have so much ground to cover today, and in fact, I can't believe I'm going to say this um, because I feel like I say this every week. But would you believe me if I said, as we start Chapter Five, that these are mm-hmm. some of James' most harsh most challenging thoughts in the entire book. And like I said, I feel like I say that every week with every new section, but this is like, there is something extra um, kind of punch in the gut, as I keep saying, in these verses. And Lisa, even as you and I chatted, just as we were preparing for our time today, you said at first, like, oh gosh, I read this. I wasn't even sure what to do with these (laughs) verses.
1: Yeah, I wasn't. Very happy that that uh, this <laughs> <laughs> this was the week you first asked me to to step back in and join you here, but um, honestly, I have to say, like that first um, the first read through was a little. <laughs> is this me? Is this for me? Is this offensive? Am I offended? Um, but then I, I think I, I told you as I really began to sit with it and work through it, it just took on such a life and it took on such excitement and encouragement that it really changed my my disposition at reading those verses. And it truly is for me. Mm-hmm. There are pieces in there that, that spoke to my soul. So um, it always makes me wonder why I don't You know, do that with every piece of scripture that I read because I don't want to ever just gloss over something and feel like, nope, not me, not irrelevant, not appropriate. When if I just sat with it a little longer and let the Holy Spirit um, stir inside me, that I might find that it is very relevant and appropriate for my life.
0: Well, and that's such a good word as we move into these verses because I think this is a good caveat to say to our listeners. Because we're going to be talking about wealth and riches, mm-hmm. and you and I sitting here in Oakbrook, Illinois mm-hmm. today, we live in a very affluent place. And I think this is a conversation that automatically people are going to want to put their hands up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. exactly like you said, not me. There's going to be some resistance in your spirit, ladies, as you listen to this, and even for those of you who don't live in Oakbrook, because like I said, we have listeners all mm-hmm. over the country, praise God. Um, you know, even as we go walk through being Westerners in the United States, um, we live at a different level of wealth than most of the world. And I know that not all of us might e- consider ourselves rich uh, in our day-to-day life. We struggle to pay our mortgage. Mm-hmm. We struggle to pay our bills. I'm not saying that. But I think these verses are going to maybe hit some of us in a, in a deep way. I know they did for me too. Yep. And our first instinct is going to be to put our hands up. And I would say, just mm-hmm. turn those palms out, <laughs> open those hands, and just ask, God to see what he might be saying to you, uh, to me and to you and yes. to everyone else yeah. today. Yes, so, 100%. Uh, thank you for showing that. It's a perfect mm-hmm. way to start. You know, what was interesting um, for me, and we're going to read these verses in just a minute for those of you who might need a little more context, um, is how these first six verses that we're going to walk to together you know, they keep going back to this idea of caring for the poor. You know, we've talked about our possessions and our wealth uh, throughout the book Mm -hmm. of James. We've heard James already say some challenging things to us. Back in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, he says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. Their rich will fade away even as they go about their business. And then again later in chapter one, he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Then in chapter two, Verse five, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you, rich people again, you, you have dishonored the poor. Uh, Verse 14, chapter two, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, peace out, right? Have a great day. uh, But does nothing about their physical needs, this question that hangs Mm -hmm. over James, what good is it if we can't actually put our faith into action? What good is it? What good are we? And then we come to uh, chapter five, and we really, James really, like I said, he hits us pretty hard. Lisa, can you um, do us the honor of reading these first six verses and give us a little more context?
1: Absolutely. Uh, starting with the beginning of chapter five. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. The corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay, the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who
0: was not opposing you. Hmm. This is the word of the Lord just as much Mm -hmm. as any other part (laughs) is the word of the Lord. And what's happening here is um, James is challenging the early church, um, and consequently he's challenging us, because that's how scripture works, to take inventory of what they have. Specifically, their resources, their possessions, and their finances. Sometimes we talk about all this stuff, and we don't, we don't just name it and say, uh, this actually means the money in our checking account, our savings account, our 401ks, right? It's money. Um, and to, he, he's challenging the early church and us to say, how have you used these resources to care for the people around you especially for those who don't have access to the same resources that you might, and advance God's kingdom on this earth. How have you used your your resources to be a reflection of God's goodness in this world? And you know, I said it in a kind of nice way, but James, he just—it's this very harsh critique. I don't want you all to lose sight of this as in context. It is a very harsh critique of those within the church and the faith community who have resources and they are only using them for their own good pleasure to build bigger barns, as Scripture would say, and they're completely disregarding the um, conditions of the people around them who are struggling. Lisa, what, what kicks up in you as, we, um, as you hear this?
1: Accountability. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I know that it's easy sometimes for those of us within the church setting to feel like we're doing, we give to missions, we give our tithe. We may not even give 11%, but we're for sure to give the 10%, right? And so we I think it becomes easy for us at times to check boxes and to feel like we're doing it right. If you recall, the rich young ruler had every box checked that he thought was appropriate and right. And it was when he went to, to Jesus and he said, what do I need to do? And Jesus's response was, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And it wasn't that the command selling everything he had. It isn't that he because he had, he had to get rid of it all. But Jesus knew his heart and knew that that was his idol, and he could not let it go. And so um, what is that barrier if we're not willing? And I know we're going to talk about stewardship in just a few minutes, but that is a natural segue for me to realize Mm -hmm. that if I am not stewarding all that I have— And I think it's easy when we start reading, James, when we read, um, you know, you rich people to, as you said, step back and be like, well, that's not me. I don't fall into that category. I don't have that, you know, tax income bracket. But um, there are so many things we have received that make us, quote, rich, that we don't count as richness, um, that I feel like that we want that lens to look through and, and realize what is it that christ is is calling us to use mark five or mark excuse me mark 10 is a verse that i um stumbled upon in the last couple of weeks about this and this is the, these are the words from jesus um i tell you the truth jesus said no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields are with them. Um, in the age to come in the eternal life. So that pretty much covers so many things. Like anything we've been given, whether it's I'm now I'm stumbling into the stewardship. That's okay. Piece, go for it. Go for it. Because I can't not tie go. the two together. Yep. Um so much that we have is is um Isn't there, uh, was it the Blues Brothers that said talent on loan from God? Really, what we possess is on loan Mm -hmm. from God, whether it be um, the community that we live in or even our children, you know, there are not our possessions. They are gifts that are... That are on loan, that we are to steward well for the Lord. And so if we look at anything that we have that we find as our possession, turning that thinking around to be um, something we need to steward well for His glory...
0: It makes it so much easier to turn it back to him when he's asking us to. Absolutely. And I think it, it comes back to that fundamental perspective of what do we believe to be true about our resources? Mm-hmm. What, do we, what, what do we believe to be true about that which God gives us? Because if we don't have a basic understanding, and I, I know for me, um, I don't know when Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle, mm-hmm. came out um, but that was a you know i had been eric and i had been just young married and as we kind of went through our life together figuring out how to continually give more basically and and even like building up to a tithe and then once we got to that point saying okay now we're getting a little too comfortable with i air Mm -hmm. quote just tithing like how do we be more generous and and so it's been a process for us it's not like we woke up one day and said let's be generous um at least in how it kind of played out. And when I read The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, and he said, you know, God is the owner of everything. Right. We are just stewards of it. And then he said, you live for the um, live for the line, not for the dot, the line being eternity mm-hmm. and the dot being just where we are. If we only live for our little dot on that long line, then um, that's all we're going to see. And we miss out on that perspective. And so when I learned that God is the owner of everything, and I am just here to steward and manage what He has entrusted to me. That was really um, life changing, a paradigm shifting for me. It makes it so much easier to turn it back
1: mm-hmm.
0: if He calls us to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: We we would jokingly do that with our kids when they were younger, when they would do that. Mine, 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 mine. Um, And their dad would quickly say, look, who really owns that, you know, and trying to instill from the beginning that it it really isn't ours. We have the pleasure of using or having it for for right now, but it is ultimately something that that was on, on loan from God. And if he's calling, like I said, have already said, to return it back to him, let's willfully and
0: cheerfully do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, friends, if you're listening today and that's a new concept for you or you just have questions about that, feel free to email me or or reach out. I'd I'd love to point you to some more resources because I do think that's a fundamental piece of our discipleship. Sometimes we think, oh, our finance and resources are here and then everything else in my life is over here. And sometimes we compartmentalize that. And I I just think God has so much for us when we're just able to live open-handedly. And so I would love to continue that conversation. Uh, if anyone is interested, I'd love to um, share a little bit more. And like I said, point you to some resources that might uh, more fully develop your thinking um, in that area. But as we as we stay in the context of James here, I think one of the interesting things is James takes this a step further. So not only is he saying, now listen, um, your wealth is going to rot, <laughs> uh, you know, examine what you're going to do with it, but he couches it in this context of judgment. And, you know, judgment is this interesting word because we don't like to talk a lot about judgment in the church. We're bringing up all the good stuff, Uh finances, judgment, Uh you know, all all the sticky stuff. Everyone's just turning off their dial right now. Um, Judgment is not something we talk about a lot because it has this negative connotation when we think of it in an individual sense, right? Don't judge me. Don't judge my choices. Don't judge how I parent my children. Don't judge how I spend my money. Um, and there's some truth in that, right? Scripture talks about we don't need to judge the motives of someone else's heart. That is that is God's job. We don't need to judge where they're at with the Lord. That is God's judge, good job. But in this context here, when we're talking about judgment, James is actually talking about um, the fact that God will one day uh, judge our lives. We will one day stand accountable before God, and one of the things that we're going to stand accountable for in that day is what we've done with the resources that He has entrusted to us. Uh, we're going to be encounter- accountable for what we've done with all our stuff. How have we taken care of the poor, of the widows, the orphans? And that means um, literally and metaphorically, mm-hmm, right? And so mm-hmm. there's there's lots you can say with that. Have we stood in the gap for people who don't have a voice? Have we advocated? Have we have we put our faith in to action? And when we look at these. These some of these phrases in um, just these first few verses we read uh, verse 1 now listen you rich people weep and wail because miseries are coming Okay, you have hoarded wealth verse 3 in the last days you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence verse 5 you have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter again mm-hmm. really harsh language but James is trying to push his listeners to remember that our life here is temporal right <laughs> right yeah, there, there is a bigger story going on. We are a mist, right? Like we read in, in um, chapter four, our lives are just a mist, a vapor that is here and vanishes. So Lisa, when you hear that, how does that, when we add this layer of judgment on the fact that someone's going to see how we spent our money mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and we're going to be accountable for that, what does that kick up in you? What, what's going on? Well, I like better, I think, the word.
1: Um, to slide in there that you just used accountable because judgment does seem harsh and, and um, you know we get that element of uh, um, you know defense or um, don't as you said don't judge me, don't judge my motives. Um, but if we talk about accountability and even I think I would I'd move on to the word integrity, mm. um, you know do we have integrity in our finances? do we have integrity with what we have? Um, are we willing to open a door to someone who is in need? Are we willing to – th- one of the, the things I read you know, about um, hoarding wealth, right, is – and I love a good sale on clothes. I love to shop. But that doesn't mean I should have a closet full, even if I paid – special for everything. You know, am I... Have
0: you looked at my closet?
1: Is that what you're doing right now? (laughs) No, I looked at my own, unfortunately. COVID has shown me I really don't need a lot of of what I have. And I think that those times are important, right? That we do take a self-inventory and just say, is this really necessary? Am I really using it? Mm -hmm. Um, Is is a full basement full of, of bins of stuff and things truly needed? Or is there someone who can benefit from that. Um, and it just doesn't have to be about, you know, material possessions, but maybe even it's with our our time and where we volunteer, it can go beyond that. But I do believe, um, you know, accountability um, mm-hmm. is is something maybe to, to make it softer. Maybe it's easier for me to hear accountability versus judgment. <laughs> but, you know, James is pretty firm that our lives will be examined, you know, on that day.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I think it's, important also to say that um you know money is not bad Mm-mm. it is not a bad thing Mm-mm. the evil doesn't lie in the things that we have you know first timothy says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of email e- uh, emails <laughs> of, <laughs> that of evil that too mm-hmm. probably uh of evil that um it is the love for those things you know last week tracy and i talked about um Attachment when we attach ourselves to our plans mm-hmm. and our plans don't go as we think they should, and then how of a sudden we're we're then disappointed and discouraged because we become so attached to our plans. And I think this also can come true or is the same with our stuff. You know, that's a great question to ask: is are we so attached to what we have? Mm-hmm. Right? So it's mm-hmm. not it's not the stuff in and of itself. What is our attachment to it? Um, and is that creating you know, is what root is that creating in our life that is maybe not allowing us to be as generous as God wants us to be? Mm-hmm.
1: And I think you know it's easy to get caught up in not letting go, mm-hmm. right? Because I worked hard for that. Yeah, I saved my money for that. I had intention for that. And when you know we don't, when we we are called for something different, um, I remember even you know, yeah. I just want to possess. I guess I want to grip my hands tight. And, and I've learned many lessons to where um, letting it go, you know, maybe that one finger un, unraveling at a time when mm-hmm. God is just like, you know, just let me let me take it, let me use it and bless it. Um, and, and I think we talked about this when we talked about James 1, um, the opportunities we have to Engage with God in his development in ministries or in somebody's um, own personal journey. What yeah. a reward that is for us. And even greater reward, again, you were talking about the eternal perspective. We don't talk. I know I don't talk enough about that, about what that is and how temporary, mm-hmm. you know, when that little mist is on the water for such a short time. And when you compare that to your own life, I love those word pictures, you know, for us that truly this is, this is so temporal. And um, God's
0: saying, "Just partner with mm-hmm. me now, because you don't know yeah. what great thing is to come." Yeah, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard, and mm-hmm. that's why I think these verses are so hard because we just have to keep coming back to um, some of those truths. And can is God trustworthy? I mean, really, a lot of that comes mm-hmm. back to that: is God really trustworthy? Even if I let go of that stuff, right. it, is God still going to take care of me? That doesn't mean we're meant to not have anything (laughs) right you know we don't need to go to extremes in this conversation but i think that that's a great question to continue to come back for and um in verse three james makes this point again really strong he says even your gold and your silver are corroded Mm -hmm. now gold and silver are things in our you know our our precious things that shouldn't rust, they don't rust, right? As their physical makeup doesn't rust, they're not iron that's gonna rust, gold and silver don't rust. But the point that James is making here is that, you know, even those things that you think are here forever, mm-hmm. even those things that you think are meant to last that aren't going to rust, um, they're not indestructible. So don't attach yourself to that. Don't put your value into those things because you, you, they're gonna go up right. in smoke and and, vapor. and where
1: does your faith lie? Does our faith lie in the home we have over our head? Does mm-hmm. our faith lie in our bank account total or our investment accounts or to the, you know, bricks of gold we may have hidden somewhere? That is not the focus of our faith. Mm-hmm. Those things are not inherently bad, but ultimately the faith for provision, I think we need to put in the Lord. And yeah. that is that's the the fine line and the mistake that we can or I know I, I tend to make again when I feel like I did it, I earned it, I worked for that. Right. Um that ultimately I need to be trusting him. And you I think what you said was so
0: good. Like is God trustworthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is and do I live that out every day? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time uh, way back when Eric and I first got married. We were on staff with um, Athletes in Action, which was part of Campus Crusade. And we had to, um, we quit our jobs and actually raised money. Um, so people uh, gave us money to live on. <laughs> that was how we we had to do it. So we, we sat in people's living rooms and we said, will you support us at $50 a month? You know, we were 20-something years old. Um, but I learned more through God's character Mm. And his provision for me during that time than almost anything else in my life. and I, I honestly would never want to go back to that mm-hmm. now that mm-hmm. <laughs> now that uh, I'm in a new phase, a different phase of life. Um, but I sometimes go back and go, wow, I, I forget sometimes what it means to be so dependent right on God's provision in my life. Mm-hmm. And I almost miss that a little mm-hmm. bit. So, He's so
1: present, right? Mm-hmm. We we're, we're so in, we're so dependent upon him in that moment that it makes the experience so much richer than it is to know that we can just go out and fill that tank of gas and not have to worry about it being an
0: issue, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, gosh, just like everything, we could talk about this all night long. I know we have other things that we want to move on to, but I think that idea of hoarding, right? Are Mm -hmm. we in the last days? Are we making ourselves fat and rich and cushy? Uh, when we know it's not going to last. And that's really James' point. Um, in Matthew 6, James, or no, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where things do not destroy, where thieves do not steal, where your treasure is, there, your heart will be also. No, it doesn't. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is. There, your treasure will be. Where your treasure mm-hmm. is, there, your heart will follow. follow where you are investing your resources and your time. Your heart's going to be there. And if they're things of God. Your heart is going to follow the things that God is, um, His heart is after, and so uh, lots of lots of stuff to chew on there. And for those of you who are in our discussion groups, I hope you'll have a great conversation and just be really vulnerable about um, where you're at with with this piece of your life, um, Lisa. Real quick, before we move on to the next thing, uh, he also brings up this idea of cheating, uh, cheating the workers. Mm. And I just, I don't want to skip by that because I think, uh, actually, in our conversation, you brought up a couple of things that I thought were really insightful when we were talking about this.
1: Well, just that, I, you know, I've, I've unfortunately seen opportunities where we could have had integrity, going back to that word, in, in finances and had people of faith that I looked up to that owned businesses or had an opportunity to to really be a standout for someone to employ others and, and cheated Um, you know, found reasons to not fully pay someone. Um, Mm. I even thought of a time um, when my husband was a server. We were first married. You talk about your first married days. And he was, we worked at a restaurant when we were first married. And there comes a point at the end of the night when you total your tips and you're supposed to declare how many tips, how much in tips you made that day. And he was declaring exactly what you were supposed to. And his coworkers, after so many days, got mad at him because it was going to make the rest of them look bad because they weren't reporting as much, right? You didn't necessarily have to. So why are you reporting this much? Because you might make it look like we're not reporting. So there was this discrepancy in that. And there was uh, an internal conflict. It's like, well, I guess I could be called Mm -hmm. to not have to report all of what I made. So if I made 50... I could just report that I made 35. And so anyhow, I'm just saying that when you're, when we're cheating in any kind of way, whether it be, um, you know, off of somebody else and making ourselves better or standing on the back of another to, mm-hmm. to move it forward um, for ourselves. I mean, there's no justification for that, especially yeah. in the community of believers. And so um, Again, it goes back to that word integrity, not just in how we manage our own finances, but then how we treat and employ others when you're in a position of employing.
0: Yeah, which is exactly the context that was happening in James. There was a concentration of land in the hands of some very wealthy, small group of landowners. And if they were selfish in how they paid their workers, if they cheated them, if they delayed, it literally meant their workers wouldn't get food, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have enough to eat, Mm -hmm. they would be in poverty. And so I think that is a great question to ask ourselves for those of us. And I know, again, just our audience, there are a lot of people who are in positions that that do sign the checks of other people and what does that look like to um, just even our purchasing power whatever it may be using the places that we have influence and power to uh, make sure that's not right happening. are we giving a fair wage yes. if we're in that position you yes. know um, just making sure that we're
1: constantly again in check of ourselves and putting yourselves in a community where you can be in check of each other mm-hmm. because it is easy to to Make ourselves believe
0: that what we're doing is okay. Yeah, you know when,
1: yeah. when maybe that's not what mm. God is speaking at that moment.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, God is the one that mm-hmm. even if you get away with it on this right. earth, God is the one again. James, judgment, accountability, integrity. Mm-hmm. God is the one who's going to see that stuff, and so it's a matter of the the heart, a matter of character and integrity. Yeah. Um, Well, we're going to uh, kind of flip the switch here and we're going to transition to um, the second section of James. Uh, James, uh, let's see, verses 7 through 11. We're going to hold on to verse 12 for the very end. And we move into this, uh, the subtitle of my Bible says, um, Patience in Suffering. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, I'm going to let you kick this one off, but I, I do want to take a minute and just read these verses. And what I want uh, our listeners to do is to change their point of view for a minute, because we have been talking this whole time as if we are in the position of power, that we are the ones in... Um, position of wealth that James is rebuking us like Mm -hmm. we have we're putting ourselves in that position but one of the things as we read scripture and again I always come back to what it looks like to be a good Bible student as we read scripture is to remember that um we sometimes, or maybe often, read our current position in life into the scripture, right? We we forget sometimes the context. And and what's important to remember in this is remember the the people that James was writing to, while he does say a word to the rich, uh, the rich are actually in the minority in this mm. case, that actually the, the main church that James is writing to are people who are persecuted, who are isolated, who are in poverty, who are the oppressed. They are the a worker who is not getting paid, who is getting cheated out of their fair wages, that might have trouble um, putting food on the table for their family. And so when we flip our perspective for this next set of verses and think about James. Put yourself in their their shoes, and maybe some of you are in their shoes, and think about um, these verses as a message of hope Mm. to those who are oppressed, to those who need the hope that Jesus has to bring, because here's what James says to them. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You, too, you be patient. You stand firm, because the Lord... Coming is near. So don't grumble against one another. You will be judged too. The judge is standing at the door. But, brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. This also comes back to another um, part that we've already talked to in James. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And so think of yourself as a person, and maybe today you are a person who needs to be reminded. The Lord is saying, be patient. Uh, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, and he sees you and he hears your cries. And just hang in there. The Lord's going to come back and he's going to make all things right. Lisa, what are your Again, uh what I know, I keep asking you this question, what kicks up for you? What are what are your thoughts in that?
1: Well, when I um going back to when I first was reading this this group of, of scriptures, the first thing that came to my mind was that, you know, God sees them. God mm-hmm. sees us. Just like in the old testament, you know, when when um his chosen ones were calling out. They were—they were being basically. They were in slavery, right? And they were—they were asking for for freedom. And the Lord heard their cries, and He led them out, and He gave them provision. Um, maybe not in the way that they wanted, but in um, in time, He did. And that's what James is saying again. The God of the universe still mm-hmm. sees you, mm-hmm. the same God that you know from the Torah, from the Old Testament, that you've been taught. Talk- about um, and that you can speak of still sees you in the midst of, of um, whatever oppression this these new Christian believers were going through um, after the death of Christ. And it just showed me, yes, he still sees them. He's still providing. Um, he will still have the final word, no matter how hard we think it's getting. Um, I love that the Again, the reference to farming and to agriculture. Mm-hmm. Agriculture is used a lot throughout Scripture as is, um, is an example and an understanding. We, we talked about casting the seeds on the good soil or the bad soil, um, the farmer. Um, and we hear that, again, from James. And when he, Something I learned um, when I was preparing for today is that when the Jews were in Egypt, farming was done very differently from farming, that they were... Um, Doing when they were living in Israel, um, the difference between the land in Egypt being irrigated and the land in um, Israel was much more arid. So farming um, in Egypt was easy. Mm. Like if you needed to water your field, um, I, I think they gave this author gave the example you could literally step um, and kind of dampen the soil, and you would have a trickle that could run into your field off of the Nile River change that now to where they're living in, in Israel that um, is very arid and it is a full dependence on God to provide the rain, God to provide the climate that will water the initial soil that'll that'll root the seed that'll cause the seed to grow. Um, it is requiring them to truly walk by faith and not by sight. So knowing that for me was so helpful. It's like, where am I? being called out of where it was comfortable, and I just immediately had whatever I needed into a space where I have to fully depend on God to meet um, that space that I can't do on my own, that I am not in control of. And so I love how James said that, like, just as those farmers, just in the time when you're in the field and you're being patient, waiting upon the Lord to send the weather in the elements that you need, he's doing just the same for you personally. He will redeem this oppression that mm. you feel. He will be there in the end. Um, have that same patience.
0: Mm. And for some people, that literally means, uh, you know, for some people in parts of the world and parts of our country today, it literally means impre- oppression. Mm-hmm. It literally means injustice they are experiencing. And I just think about it, Imagine people who are experiencing um, whether it's because of racism, because of abuse, because of uh, domestic abuse, you know, you think of all the th- the the ways that people feel a kid who's being bullied at school, mm-hmm. you know, that are truly feeling oppressed and marginalized for them to remember. In, in these words to say, trust God with what you can't control. Right. You can't control how other people always treat you, but trust God with the outcome. It's hard. Mm-hmm. That's why he says, be patient. Hang in there. Be mm-hmm. patient because it's not these these bigger issues are not a quick fix. One of the the points
1: of reference you had given to us when we started this study was a uh, video series um, by Francis Chan, which I watched and and totally agree with something that he said was. When we were kids, or even in the last really 15 years, the Bible was such a respected document, right? And the and the truth of of what scripture um, based what we base our life on was respected. Mm-hmm. And how culturally now that has taken a total shift. That when you truly stand on you know the the confines of Scripture, or when you want to say you're living biblical life, that that is now becoming um, scrutinized mm-hmm. and really persecuted. Um, in an area that I wonder, what will that look like? You know, fast forward 10 years, fast forward 20 years. Um, so when I read these scriptures, for me, it's so comforting because God's still in charge. That's right. He still sees what is happening. Um, he will still redeem all of us in the end, no matter where our level of persecution and oppression comes from. Um, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really liked how how James put it into perspective and said, you know, God, we we wait for the Lord for
0: these things. He's not going to not be there and show up for the other things. That's right. And then he brings up, and we'll have to go through these couple real quick because I want to get to verse 12, and we're running out of time already. Uh, Be patient like a prophet speaking the truth, and he brings up the patience of Job. And I think these are two really interesting things. And Lisa, you and I even talking about prophets. You said Mm -hmm. something uh, that I loved. I don't know where you got it, or I don't know. Hopefully, you remember it. <laughs> Uh-oh. you said something about here. I'll, I'll, I'll help you because I, I know you don't have all of the notes <laughs> that you uh, wanted to have with you today. Uh, printer malfunction, um, but you said something to the effect that the prophets, you know, the prophets often weren't believed. People thought they were crazy. Um they had really harsh and bold messages mm. to say to people that talk about us wanting to put our hands out and making people feel uncomfortable I mean the prophets this is nothing compared to what the prophets shouted at people um but yet they they stayed the course they were faithful with the message that God uh, had given to them and they continued to speak the truth in the in the midst of all that persecution and oppression
1: that Yeah, James, that was the other piece. Not only did James reference right this example of the farmers waiting upon the Lord, but then he also said, wait, you that know the Torah, you that know Old Testament, which they didn't call it the Old Testament yet, <laughs> um, we have those words, they don't, but he was saying, remember what their lives were all about and remember... Um, what you have been told, and it speaks specifically to Job. Right, he was a man who we know was was pretty well off and successful, and and had, um, I'm sure, uh, value and and uh, wealth in the eyes of of his community and culture at the time, which he ended up um, losing. Right, and we we talk about how his um, he lost everything, but he never wavered in his um belief that god is good mm-hmm. and that god would provide and that god was sovereign um i think the other piece that i i we talk about that story a lot right like job had job lost he persevered um you know but then i don't think we ever talk about the end of the story it said in job 42:12 that the lord blessed the latter part of job's life more than the first and so, in those times of persecution and um, feeling like we're marginalized, or things aren't going our way, or we're dealt a really crappy hand, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a chapter in our life, that staying the course, believing that God is is who He says He is, believing that He He is trustworthy, knowing that His promises are true, just like you know the saints, just like Job, don't waver. Don't let that. Um, compromise who you know god to be and god will again it'll, he'll redeem it in the end just like we've already said um you know use use those that have gone before us is our example and yeah. our
0: encouragement yeah and how often we need those stones of remembrance you know mm-hmm. from other people from scripture or from um, the testimony of of what god has done is faithfulness in people's lives to just remind us stay the course hang in there you know what it's God wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Life doesn't always turn out the way we think it's going to, but in the end, I know that's not always easy. I know, I know, I don't mean that in a in a trite way, but if we can't hold on to eternity, what can we hold on to? What hope do we Absolutely. have? Right? And that's again,
1: I you know why it's so important to be in community because you know I'm journeying with a couple of people, um, close family friends that are going through some pretty um, hard hard things, you know. But when you can be the one in that moment to be the encourager Mm. you know there have been times that I was encouraged and people were circling me and that's why it's important as you you mentioned earlier standing in the gap for somebody how are we doing that for somebody else because we can be that voice of encouragement we can be the one to say hey God showed up for me in big ways you know I understand I hear what you're going through yeah um hold fast yeah yeah, Hold fast.
0: Consider it pure joy. Mm-hmm. Then come back to the beginning right. of James. We serve
1: a God who only knows triumph, right? Yeah. The yeah. battles might be hard, but the triumph is his the in the end. Lord.
0: Yep. Amen. That's a good word. Um, Let's move on to just the very last. We're going to wrap up here, but verse 12, um, above all. It's it's interesting that he says above all after we just went through all that. (laughs) James is going to end us on an encouraging note. Uh, Don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is really an interesting... Um, I actually don't know why he puts it on the end of this. It's like a weird place to be saying this. But there's some good context around this, and it's an interesting um, thing to consider, as we've given you lots to consider today. But it's an interesting thing to consider as we live out our own lives. Lisa, I'm going to let you kick this off, and then I will um, jump in. But we talked about uh, what it means. What are they talking about, don't swear? Well, I... I you know, you wonder:
1: Is it the bad words that we know? Are those the are those the things that that James is talking about? But you no, know, when you you look at it um, with a little more um, critical eye, we're talking about like as you said, your yes should be yes and your no should be no. Um, don't feel like your words have to say, um, you know. I swear to God, that's true. You know, your truth should be spoken without bringing down. The Lord, you know, is is someone to to add value to your words. Our words should have enough value on their own as a person of faith with integrity. Um, One of the things I read says the need to swear or make an oath beyond a simple and clear yes or no betrays the weakness of your word. It demonstrates there's not enough weight in your own character to confirm your words. Um, You know, and we shouldn't need to further affirmation that what we're saying is true. Mm-hmm. Like, we should have, again, the integrity, mm-hmm. um, a lot of integrity in this in this uh, group of scriptures that, that James is talking about. Yeah. And it kind of tables on, right, to the persecution piece. It's like, even in those times of persecution, even in those times where we know we're being marginalized or we're not um, being told true things about, maybe others are saying um, those things about us, we should always... Hold fast to truth and know that, um, you know, our our integrity should always be um, forthright, and our words should have meaning.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, just a little more, another layer of context is it's interesting when you think about um, oaths. Oaths. In the ancient world, I don't know who's thinking about oaths in the ancient world, but (laughs) I am only thinking about it because of the context of this passage. But in the ancient world, there were um, oaths that were binding and ones that were not. And the ones that were binding, um, the name of God would be used directly. And so that is what would make it binding. He was seen as this active partner in the transaction between two people. And so people would sometimes... um, people who didn't have the integrity uh, would try to find an oath to say them in a way that um, made it sound binding, but they could actually get out of it. And so there was this mockery going on of oaths at the time. And then the other thing that was going on is that people were making oaths all the time. So they were con- consistently bringing God's name into it and and trying to make an oath. Um, but it happened so often that it wasn't sold, It was um, not special anymore. It became so commonplace that people stopped respecting the power of the oath because people were lying and people were cheating um, and so basically an oath couldn't be trusted and so the point of this is to say you know what in an in an honest society if you have integrity if you are a, a woman of your word if you are a woman of character you shouldn't need an oath because people will know that you're respectable not by the what you say right not by the power necessarily of the word but on the character of the person who made the oath and so the ideal was to um the ideal standard was to never have to bring God's name into it because you were a person of your word and you were going to follow through with it. So I just think this is really, that's that's the context around it, but I just think it's really interesting to step back and kind of step out of the text and think of it today um, because you know it's so easy for us, I think, especially as women, like let your yes be yes and your no be no. And that sounds really easy and good, but so often how many of us have said yes to something and we commit to something? And then, um, you know, two hours into it, we're like, why did I say yes? To oh, I've this? never, ever done I've that. Never done this? Um, it's, we're miserable. And then we're kind of, we're not fully committed. We kind of, or maybe we try to sh- get out of our responsibility because we're like, oh, okay, I did this one day. I said I would do it for three weeks. And I just, I really didn't want to do this. And I think we just need to, um, be set free <laughs> mm-hmm. in some ways to say it's okay to say no. And I think it's better actually to say no to something, an opportunity, a friend, or whatever it may be, instead of saying yes and then not being able to fully follow through with our commitment or being miserable, Right, right. you know, and then just bringing everyone around us down because we're so miserable about this thing that we said yes to when really we should have just said no to in the first place. And be honest about how we're truly feeling, right? Yeah, because I know I I um I would much rather when I'm in a relationship with people, both as a ministry leader, I say this of my volunteers as well as just in a friendship relation in circles. I have one friend who just she'll say yes to everything, 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 and then she cancels or she doesn't show up, or um you know there's uh, there's always a reason. Or as a ministry leader, when volunteers say yes. Um, and then oh, this, is, this doesn't happen a whole lot actually here I have great volunteers my my women's ministry volunteers are awesome um, but you know I'd much rather hear that no up front then I know where you stand right then I'm not disappointed when you don't show up then I'm right. not irritated with you because you're here but yet you're not really here or you're just in a you're grum, you're grumpy the whole time you're here because you should have said no in no. the first place
1: mm-hmm. yeah we talked a little bit in my small uh, group circle last week um when we had the podcast that Tracy gave about even overcommitting or submitting our schedule to the Lord, right? And letting mm-hmm. him direct our time and um really discerning what it is, you know, why do we say yes to those things? Who is it we're serving, you yes. know? Is it because we feel, you know, obligation? I know for me sometimes it it like stokes my ego if someone wants to invite me in. And of course, I I don't really have time for that. But (laughs) yes, that would be great, you know. Um, And so really just knowing that our words um, should have that full 100% backing behind it. We shouldn't be, I think I'm a yes, I think I'm a no. But um, in this situation, making sure that it's a firm yes and it's a firm no and having um, the confidence and uh, the reputation, when
0: someone receives that, to know that that is a firm truth. Yeah. And to have the permission to say no and feel really good about your no, because right. you know it's in a line with your motives, with your spirit. It really is about motives. And and yeah, you just said it so well, but it comes back. This whole whole thing we're talking about in James, starting from verse one, it just comes back to our motives, our character, right. our integrity, where we're, are we aligning ourselves with mm-hmm. the purposes and the, the heart of God, or are we doing our own thing? Right. And so, Lisa, do you think we've given our audience enough to think about (laughs) today? Yeah. (laughs) I told you coming in today, like my notes were all over the place because there was so much. It was so hard to whittle down. So.
1: And James is just swinging. I mean, he just uh, he came out and, and he's making sure as he wraps up this last bit of his letter that he is he's sticking it all in there. But going back to the beginning he also reminds us to consider it pure joy mm-hmm. you know and um so we are we have to remember that all of these things as we journey are are things that we need to find the joy in so when it comes to the persecution piece where is the joy when it comes to stewarding our finances and giving up and letting go of something maybe we have hold it put a value on but when the joy comes when we can release it back and and give it up for the Lord's good Mm -hmm. it's so much better and so he just wants us to have that fullness of joy here in our journey um, on that um, path toward toward the eternal reward that we know we're promised
0: Mm -hmm. that's such a good word to end us on today so lisa my friend always a pleasure to just sit across from you and learn from you and hear how god is at work in your life so thanks for being my guest and for um just sharing how god is working on your life uh, with our audience i so appreciate you being here my always my pleasure Well, friends, as always, uh, such a challenging and rich conversation, but I actually will never apologize for that on Deeper Still because that's what we're all about. We're all about sitting with some of those uncomfortable truths that nag at our souls, that God uses to wrestle with in our lives as it intersects our lives. Um, But we do it all in the name of allowing God to change who we are, even when it's hard, because He loves us too much to just leave us the same. And so keep digging in, keep trusting Him for the good work He is doing in your lives, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Well, in two weeks, we are going to push pause just one last time before we finish the book of James uh, because I will be here in the studio with Bill Scheel. Bill is the president of Northern Theological Seminary. He's a member of Christ Church. He's a former pastor. He's just an awesome guy. Uh, And we are going to get our hearts fully invested into Holy Week as we lead up to Easter by digging into Mark 14. When a woman anoints Jesus' feet, All the men get up in arms about what she did and why she did it. And Jesus defends her saying, you know what, guys, back off because she did what she could. Is that a message you need to hear today? Is that a message your friend needs to hear today? She did what she could. I think it's going to be a really powerful time. And so uh, make sure you come back, invite a friend along, and uh, we will just see what God does. Uh, all right, my lovelies, well, I've probably kept you here long enough already, so go enjoy your beautiful day. Walk in God's grace. Know you are loved. Keep going deeper still. You will not be sorry. God will do a work in your life, so keep doing it. Keep trusting Him, and we'll see you back here in just a few weeks. Thanks so much for joining us today.